0: Okay, today I'm preaching. Eric's on vacation, and I don't have much voice anyhow, so I don't dare try to teach Sunday school and preach. I'll be doing good to get the sermon done. Um, This is different. They had the bulb go on the other projector. What I'm going to show today is part two of the series I did on the prodigal son. You saw part one. Part one actually showed me preaching. Part two video was lost, but we had the audio. So, between Jessica and I, we edited it into an audio and a slideshow. But this is important. Part one dealt with the guy that ran away and was received back by his father. And part two is about the older brother. And as you'll find out, the older brother is just as lost as the younger one was. The difference is he doesn't know it. And so we'll explain that. We'll have a PowerPoint. And could you grab that mic, turn it on, and start with prayer, please?
1: we thank you lord for this time together we thank you for your son jesus christ uh... we thank you lord that uh... you've given us this opportunity to gather study your word let it uh... be revealing to us let us be able to take this out into the world spread the gospel and we pray that uh... uh... bob's voice gets healthy and he's able to preach this uh... this morning and uh we pray all of this in your son's name Amen.
2: today it's my honor and privilege to do the second part of the prodigal son the parable of the prodigal son as we call it it's actually a father who has two lost sons we saw that this parable was told on the occasion of jesus being questioned by pharisees and scribes as to why he would eat with sinners tax gatherers and sinners in fact it was scandalous because not only did he eat with them he invited them to eat with him he welcomed them Pros come welcome to invite in and when you eat with someone in the near east in those days it was to honor them it it denoted fellowship friendship mutual honor love and respect there was always significance to a meal it wasn't just eating it was imparting honor so therefore the Pharisees were offended because these people would be people that they would stay separate from Pharisee means separate these people would bring dishonor to Jesus if Jesus is who he claims he is The messiah then why would he be dishonored by some sinners some filthy sinners and turncoat tax gatherers who cooperate with rome and rob the people so to answer their charge and their grumbling jesus told three parables the parable of the lost sheep the parable of the lost coin and the parable of the two lost sons last week we covered the first part of it, the prodigal, the money was divided up because the prodigal wanted his share. And not only did he want the money, he wanted to write a disposition which would never be granted, but this father granted it. and he had a fire sale, liquidated everything, took the money, and went to a far country where he wasted the money and ended up, as you know, with the pigs wanting to eat with them. He rejected table fellowship with his father and he found table fellowship with pigs okay so he was at the worst possible condition but he came to his senses in a famine in this country and he came back and the father saw him before he even got into the village where he was going to be shamed and ridiculed and mocked by the village because everybody knew what he did and he had dishonored not only his father but the extended clan and the entire peasant village dishonored by this guy he's gonna have to pay for what he did He's going to have to suffer but the father sees him and runs out to the edge of the village and dishonors himself by doing so because he's uh, a dignified nobleman doesn't run because your robe would show your legs if you ran and it was considered shameful and so he takes the shame himself and he goes out he falls on his neck and he kisses him and he's and he reconciles with his son before the son even had a chance to say his speech That's where we ended last week the son didn't even have a chance to say his speech before the father had already reconciled publicly in front of the entire village in order to spare the son the shame of having to go into the village because now he's already reconciled and he'll be accepted now let's move on the son gave as i said last week his speech then and now we have the next action of the father Luke 15, 22. But the father said to his slaves, so they had gone out with him quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. So by still out at the edge of the town, the son is not brought back to the home to get cleaned up to make him look presentable. He came right out of the pig pen, and his filth and his stench. He's given, first of all, the best robe, the best robe. And the best robe would be the one reserved for the most honorable occasions that would ever happen, the most important occasions. This robe would probably only come out for the wedding of the oldest son, some great occasion. And this would be his father's robe, and it's put on the son in order to honor him as much as he can be honored. And then he puts on a ring. And the Greek would indicate this is a signet ring. I have some slides, as I did last week, where some some of you print these out, so you'll have this detail. This is a signet ring, meaning that he is given the authority to do business. Remember, the older son got two-thirds. That's all that's left. The one-third was squandered. So all that's left is the older son's two-thirds, but as long as the father is still alive, he has authority over that two-thirds. The son has use of it, but not disposition, not the right of disposition. And the son is, is supposed to be working to increase the value of the father's estate while the father lives so that uh, it would be bring honor to the father and to the family. But so he gives him the signet ring so that now the young son who deserves nothing, the wretch who lost a third of the family estate, who dishonored his family, is being given the honor of having the signet ring, that would be able to do business with the father's estate and then he has the servants who've gone out with him put sandals on his feet sandals on his feet so this means he's restored to sonship the servants did not wear sandals only sons okay and so by having the servants do this put the robe on him and put the sandals on his feet and the ring on his hands the servants are indicating that this Wayward son, now restored to the fellowship with the father, is their master. They're under him. He has authority of a son. Now, I have some slides to give some details that I've just talked about here. The stolen, tain protein, the prominent robe, is the father's finest. By having the servants robe him, it demonstrates restoration, as I said. Wearing the robe now for his journey through the village, see, he was going to have to go through a gauntlet of, of mockery. That's the repayment for people that shame a village. But now, rather than going through a gauntlet of mockery, he's walking with the Father's finest robe with dignity, authority, honor, respect, and the village is going to respect him. And as I said last week at the end of the sermon, this is such an unbelievable picture of God's grace and God's love. Uh, beloved you and I were the dishonorable sons and daughters you and I shamed God by our very lives you and I spurned the love of God and went off to live in sin and got into a horrible shameful condition dishonorable condition and the father before we did a thing just thinking about coming back realizing we're lost came running to us and he puts on us the robes of righteousness yes he does it says in Isaiah 61 and verse 10 I will rejoice greatly in the Lord my soul will exult in my God for he has clothed me with garments of salvation he's wrapped me with a robe of righteousness Isaiah 61:10. God wraps the sinner with a robe of righteousness that we don't deserve it's the imputed righteousness of Christ. And he covers our shame. And he honors us as sons and daughters, joint heirs with Christ. That's what he did with his wayward son. doesn't make the boy clean himself up. God saves us before we could ever clean ourselves up. Amen. How many of you know you didn't clean yourself up? <laughs> Hallelujah. In Israel's history, robes played an important part. I quoted Isaiah, remember Joseph, Esther, and so on. The ring is a Dactulias. I looked up that word using my software so I could do a run, run the word through the Septuagint to see where it was found. And it's the very word used in Genesis 41:42 for Pharaoh's signet ring that was given to Joseph so that he could do business on behalf of Pharaoh in the kingdom of Egypt. Esther, the king's signet ring, was taken from Haman and given to Mordecai so he could do business. He had power, he had authority in the kingdom. This term usufruct, uh, I looked it up by in Google. It's a real word, I kid you not. <laughs> Maybe if you have an accounting degree, you know that. But it is a a right to exercise control over property given to his older son. So the father, even though he had given the two-thirds to the older son, he still has this right. And he's using that to bless the younger son. Now, you know where this is going. The older son's got a few things to think about, doesn't he? The younger son now has legal power to do business servants put the sandals as I said they accept him as their master sons wore sandals what is the older son going to think he's been out of the picture so far since the younger son left the house earlier in our story let's go to Luke 15:23. and then he says this and bring the fattened calf kill it and let us eat and celebrate he's going to have a mega celebration a big party this would uh, again be very unusual the fattened calf only was slaughtered for the most important event because in case you didn't know it, they didn't have deep freezes refrigerators or ziploc (laughs) okay and not having those things what are you going to do with a calf once you slaughter it you got to eat all of it right then so the whole village is invited this is a grand party a grand celebration and what's being celebrated is the father's grace and the father's love the father's reconciling with his son the father is being celebrated because if you look, remember the three parables that go together in the lost sheep the one finding it is having the celebration at his joy in the lost coin, the lady has a celebration because of her joy, and now the father has a celebration to celebrate his joy and to show how he reconciles with his sinful son. The fattened calf is an interesting thing in the Greek. It's a maskan situtan. Sitas is grain. So what this is saying here is this was a grain fed calf. All right. Now, again, in a poor peasant community, you would only feed grain to a calf in order to have this calf for some very special occasion. This would be the best beef that you have. Because you're not rich enough to be feeding your grain to your cow. You have to eat the grain if you're poor. And so this was very, very special. He's bringing out the greatest thing that, that they'd ever do so the slaughtered calf would feed about a hundred people probably the entire peasant village such a feast only happens on a great occasion and it shows the joy of the shared community so the young son brought shame dishonor, disgrace to his dad to his brother to his family to his community to the extended clan but the father's grace brings Blessing and joy and honor to the whole village luke fifteen twenty four here's why: for this son of mine was dead and has come to life again, he was lost and has been found, and they begin to celebrate. A dead sitter was found. Now, looking up the verse in the Greek, and then this is repeated later to the older brother. When he says, my son was dead and has come to life. In this passage, it uses anazao, and in the second time it's saying, it just uses zao. And I, I think that the, the again is not necessary here, because that anazao could mean come to life again, but given the fact that the second time that's not used, it could just be intensifying the idea of life. So I would not use again and would say, he came to life he was dead he was dead before he was dead before he left the house he had no love for his father or he never would have asked for his inheritance so that he could leave this father had two dead sons the only difference is this younger one figured out he was dead and lost and the father is rejoicing with joy with a big feast at the repentance of one sinner remember the theme in Luke 15, there's joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. As MacArthur says, you'd think that they maybe would wait for 10,000 to get saved at some revival. But no, that's not what causes the joy. The joy is caused by one sinner. And so there's continual rejoicing in heaven always because day by day, as the gospel's preached around the world and a sinner repents, There's always rejoicing going on. And when we get there in eternity, it will go on forever. Rejoicing at the grace and mercy of God to allow a sinner, unclean, unfit, unworthy, who did nothing but bring shame and dishonor to God, clothe them in the robe of righteousness, and throw a big party of joy and celebration. Isn't God wonderful? (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This reminds me of something. If you remember I preached a sermon about Mishta, which is a Hebrew Old Testament word for a certain kind of a banquet, and then our latest CIC is on this topic. I would like for you to read that article. It's it's not that hard to read, but it explains an important concept that's found all the way through the Bible. And this concept has not been known by scholarship that I know of. I think it's obviously there and I think we prove our point so please read the article but at this sort of a banquet there's always a division it's like the Lord's Supper there's either eating and drinking salvation or eating and drinking judgment and it's like uh, the Last Supper when Judas runs out there's a judgment there's a banquet some are saved some are judged that's what's going on here there is a banquet of salvation going on but we're going to find out if the older brother is going to come and join it or if he's going to be judged so read that article when you get a chance. So the older son now, whereas he's been out of the picture, as far as the story is concerned, and it says in Luke 15:25 that the older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. Hmm. So he was evidently supervising the hired workers and had not even heard that the younger son had come home the entire village was rejoicing and he's on his way back and then the first thing he does he hears music and dancing they would have a great celebration going on and a joyous occasion like this would would go on half the night and uh, besides they have a whole calf they have to eat right (laughs) and uh, they're having a big feast and the, the younger kids would play out in the courtyard not inside the house and especially the young boys and they would play and dance and sing and so on and that's what's going on here there's a few cultural things i want to say about this the music is a word where we get our word symphony it's symphonia and it would either mean several instruments being played together or it could be used for a flute that had more than one pipe like a bagpipe or something which was unlikely here in the Middle East. So what we have is a symphony of sounds of different instruments and people dancing and rejoicing. So the older brother hears this and wants to know what's going on. Verse 26. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things might be. The term servants is a poor, very poor translation. It literally means young boys. And as Kenneth Bailey points out, in a Feast like this, and a rejoicing and dancing, the adults would be inside, and the young boys would just stay outside and run around. I mean, it's really not unlike things in our day. But the young boys would tend to do that. they go out, and they're having fun, and they go out where they can kick up their heels and run around. And so he gets a hold of one of these boys, and he says, well, what's going on? Why is this happening? You know, the older son normally would be the one who would plan a party like this, but he just didn't even know about it. 1527 and he said to him your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he received him back safe and sound because he received him back safe and sound safe and sound is a greek word hygiano no excuse me hygiano that's an omega on the end and it's it's exactly the word we get our word hygiene from but again it's a rare enough word I I could run it on my computer to find how many times it was used in the Septuagint and to translate what Hebrew word and in contexts like this one here it is a word that translates the Hebrew word Shalom and for example when Joseph inquired about the welfare of his family when his brothers didn't know who he was he used the term Shalom the peace and in the septuagint it's this hygiano so the father has received his son in shalom shalom meaning well-being salvation peace safety that's what we pray for when we pray for jerusalem we're to pray for the shalom of jerusalem and so he's back safe and sound he's well he's reconciled the brother has come and the father killed the fattened calf. Luke 1528. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. Now again, now we have another serious problem, serious breach of, of honor and honor shame society. If you were here last week, you heard me explain that in more detail. The most important commodity in their world was honor. It was more important than money. It was more important than life itself. Honor is the most important thing, and you don't want to lose it, and you don't want to take it away from somebody because that's how feuds start. That's how trouble starts. And here we've had shame, shame, shame in this story. The sons have shamed their father, both of them. The first, uh, the first part of the episode, the older brother was supposed to reconcile between the father and the younger brother he refused to do it he stood there silently he tried he's supposed to plead with his younger brother not to go he does nothing he, he just lets this whole thing happen and takes his two-thirds of the inheritance so they, so he's been shameful the younger brother created shame 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 and the father was willing to shame himself by granting their request because in the village it would have been expected that he'd punish these sons severely but he just let them go let them do it especially the younger one and so now this older brother has a role to play now that he knows there's a celebration he must come into that celebration and take on his role he's the one who's supposed to be at the door when the guest comes greeting them and saying to them you honor our home by your presence you honor my father The older brother goes and talks to each guest and greets them personally and says, My father is so honored that you are here. If the son refuses to go into this celebration, he's dishonored his father in front of the entire village. Even if he wants to disagree with his father about what happened. His role is to go in there, greet the guest, act in an honorable way, when everybody's done that if you want to have a family discussion fine but he's angry now the father again is a reconciling loving father because once he heard that his older son was angry and was not willing to go in that he should have punished that son in front of the entire village for having shamed his family and that's what everybody would expect anything less than that would be Accepting shame. Allowing your son to shame you in front of the entire village is not tolerated. You just don't do that. This isn't an ordinary father, by the way. He stands for God and Christ. Right? This is a parable about Christ eating with sinners. So isn't this an ordinary Middle Eastern father? Because an ordinary one wouldn't do this. But Christ came into this world to reconcile sinners to himself. Christ came into this world and willingly allowed himself to be mocked, ridiculed, shamed, and killed in the most shameful possible way, dying on the cross. So he comes out and he begins pleading with him, Parakaleo. And if he was confronting him, he would come out proscaleo. Pros is face to face. He'd come out face to face, proscaleo, and say, What are you doing? But it says he comes out parakaleo. That's where we get the word paraclete, the comforter, the advocate. And and para means beside. So he comes out beside his son, not facing him, but beside him. And he's there to entreat, to ask him to be reconciled now with his father and with his younger brother. Because now he's broken from the family by his anger and his unwillingness to go in so he attempts to reconcile some of these things i've already said but i wanted them here to make sure i didn't forget anything and so that you can take them home with you refusing to enter shames the father publicly before the entire village refusing to enter and accept the father's peace is open rebellion against the father He's a hypocrite. Because the eldest son's authority came from the father, but he refuses to submit to the source of that authority. It's not the son's decision what party the father wants to throw. It's not his decision whether he, he decides whether or not that younger son was worth being reconciled to the father. That was the father's grace and mercy and love that reconciled the younger brother. But this. It's the kind of attitude, as you should be able to see by now. I'm trying to keep the picture of all of Luke 15 in front of you during these weeks that I've been preaching from them. I want that picture right in our mind. You should see by now that the older son represents the Pharisees. They're the ones who won't go to Jesus' party because he's eating with sinners. And the older son won't go to the father's party because he's eating with a sinner. He's eating with a son that doesn't deserve a fatted calf. It doesn't deserve a robe. It doesn't deserve a signet ring. It doesn't deserve honor in a society. He doesn't deserve anything. But you know, neither did those sinners that Jesus ate with. Neither did I. Neither did you. All of the riches that God poured out on us are 100% undeserved that's what God is like he's loving and gracious he's with sinners in Esther Queen Vashti did a similar thing and look what happened to her if you know the Esther she's deposed she was kicked out excluded because she refused to go to a banquet thrown by her husband the king the father would be expected to punish his son but instead endure shame and show selfless love that he went out to the son when the son refused to come in shame the father in front of the entire village they would say what are you doing you don't go out and treat his son with anything but contempt and ridicule you don't go out and try to plead with him the son shamed you grace was offered to both sons on the same day think about this this is one day the same day the younger brother came home and received grace. The same day the younger, what, what did the younger do? What did he contribute? He just found out he was lost. You know, that's what repentance starts with, is finding out you're lost. You need to know you're lost. You need to know that you need grace because you can do nothing. The son had nothing. But it was offered to the older one too because the father's trying to reconcile with him. He's offering him grace. He could be forgiven right there on the spot for having refused, been angry and refused to come to the banquet, failure to accept grace results and exclusions from the banquet and from the family. He will be cut off. 15:28. But he became angry back to where we were, and his father and his father came out pleading with him, Here I have on the slide this parakaleo. I wanted to go back to, this, to emphasize this, to call alongside. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, and I'm not going to turn to that because of a lack of time, but in 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says that God is doing that. Parakaleo, God is pleading with us, be reconciled to God. The Father sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for sins. He came, endured all the shame. We're ashamed and we can know because he's a sinless one. It's more horrible to think of us being sinless and enduring the shame of sin for sinners. But that's what he did. And then, having done so, it says that God is parakaleo, calling us alongside, coming alongside us and saying, Be reconciled to me. The Heavenly Father. This is the gospel, dear ones. This is the gospel. Will you be reconciled to God? But he answered and he said to his father, Look, stop right there. This is the Middle East. This is an honor shame society. You are expected to address people with the proper honor. Paul says, Show honor to whom honor is due a father is due honor you don't just say to your father look you humbly say my father I would wish to discuss something he doesn't even address him as father so he's rude he's rude and dishonoring his father look for so many years I've been serving you I've never neglected a command of yours and yet you've never given me a young goal Notice the dig? Okay, this prodigal, this wasteful, disgusting younger brother of mine who wasted a third of our family's state that it took generations to accumulate, this wretch gets a fatted calf. I'm a good boy. I did the right things. And I don't even have a goat for a party. What kind of father are you? And then he says... Then I might celebrate with my friends. He didn't want to celebrate with the family. He's got his own agenda. He doesn't want the village. He doesn't want the family. He doesn't want the extended clan. He's got some friends somewhere, and he'd rather take his goat and go have a party with them. I've got some of this on slides. He refuses to participate in reconciling his brother. He does not want the lost father. Remember, he's the Pharisees. The Pharisees were offended that Jesus was finding the lost. As I said a few weeks ago, the lost are lost on their watch. They were the shepherds of Israel. And they stood by. The lost were right there. The the wretched, the hurting, the lame, the the kind of people you should invite to your banquet, according to Luke chapter 14. They didn't want them. They didn't want to dine with them. Their number one goal in life is to stay separate. And so Jesus, the true shepherd of Israel, comes in and does find the lost, and they're angry that he did it. This older brother is the Pharisees. They're the audience for Jesus' sermon. He told this to them. They know what he's saying. They're sitting there listening to Jesus tell them what they're doing. It's really bad. He was rude. And he didn't just say, I, I served you he said I slaved for you the term of working as a slave so he doesn't call him father just I slave for you I think I I think I earned something I think I deserve something how about a goat and a party for my friends <laughs> there you go that's that that would be good and he's given two-thirds of the estate, so he had the right to use the estate himself he just didn't like the fact that the father reconciled with his younger brother. That's what he didn't like. He considered his relationship with his father as a slave rather than a son. He was self-righteous. He said, "I never neglected the command." Well, how about the command to uh, honor your father and mother? <laughs> He's neglecting God's command. He's self-righteous. He's a sinner and he doesn't admit it. He was estranged from his father. He wasn't interested in anything but things. He didn't. Want a loving relationship? He don't want to be a part of the party. He plains, complains about not getting a goat, so he shows ingratitude. The friends are more important. He had no desire to celebrate with his family. He calls these other people my friends, whoever they may be out there, but nobody would be in that party that his father's having. In his heart, he had his own life, and he was estranged from his father. And he had nothing to do with his father. He had no respect for his father. He was a wicked son. You know, there's two kinds of sinners, as I said last week. There is the Pharisee and the prodigal. And you know, the Pharisee is probably further from God in a certain way. Of course, you, only, everybody's so far from God, there's a chasm. But the, the Pharisee is in a more precarious spiritual condition because all of his unrighteousness is on the inside. On the outside, it's like the Pharisees, Jesus said, on the outside, you're like whitewashed self course You clean the outside, but on the inside, you're full of lawlessness, sin, rebellion, all of these things. This older son was just, just as full of sin as his brother. The only difference with his brother's was obvious. His was hidden. Till now. Till now. That's one of the dangers of growing up in an evangelical church. It really is. Churches have been proving themselves very good at raising Pharisees for centuries. Why? Well, because we try to make sure the kids clean up the outside and act the way we would like them to, which is fine. But the unstated implication is that if you do, then you're fine with God. And it's not true. You can behave like a nice evangelical kid and not be right with God. We need to see the wickedness that's inside of our hearts because we all need the gospel. So we have a Mishnah here that divided, exposes, exposes his hypocrisy, a feast that divides. Luke 15 and verse 30. But when this, notice what he says, this son of yours, I've heard uh, husbands and wives say that to each other when they don't like what one of the kids did. Look at what your son did. Okay, I don't want to own him right now. I'm going to pin him on you. But this son of yours, implying he was a bad father, came who has devoured his wealth with prostitutes. And I didn't say that. Okay, it didn't say that. It just said he was wasteful. It doesn't say exactly. If, th- if this detail was something we needed to know, would have been at the front end of the of the parable that Jesus told so that we know for sure it's true. We can't trust the older brother because he doesn't know what happened. So he's trying to make it sound even worse to shame his dad for being so foolish as to reconcile with somebody that's that bad. He wasted your money, our money, on prostitutes. Harlots. And you're having a party for him? Okay. repentance for the Pharisees meant you have to pull yourself up on your own bootstraps. You have to pay back whatever wrong you did. You work, 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 work. And after a while, eventually, we'll decide you're okay. If you prove that you are. That's not biblical repentance. Repentance is responding to God's grace by faith and believing the gospel and turning to God. God cleans us up. Remember, they put the robe on him while he was still dirty and filthy out of the edge of the village. This reminds me of Cain, and I'm going to go to Cain in our application because it's sort of a prototypical thing going on with Cain and Abel. He said, I oh, my, my brother's keeper. It's not my job to have anything to do with this family and what's going on in it. Verse 31. And he said to him, Son, you have always been with me and all that is mine years. Notice again the, the love and the mercy. He could have called him Huyas. Huyas, which is generic for son, but he calls him Technon, which is a term of endearment. And he says, My son. The older son who refused to even call the father my father is still spoken to in a term of endearment by his father, my son. Pleading with his rebellious son. You've always been with me, all that is mine years. yours. He had the right to use the property. He had already been divided. He had the two-thirds. But now he's ungrateful because he can't stand the idea that God reconciles those sinners. Just like the Pharisees. The son. The father in such a situation is expected to be furious and punish the older son. The older son's insults, I list them. Omission of title. Anger toward The father accusation of favoritism distortion of fact lack of love for his brother or his father public humiliation of his father and arrogance this self-righteous one who says I've always done everything right like a rich young ruler I've kept all the commands this one is like the Pharisees they couldn't imagine that they're the ones that needed to repent it can't be us it can't be us this older son is acting in a wicked way I don't think I told this story last week you know when you get old you can be found guilty of telling the same story over and over and not knowing it I don't think I told this one I actually saw an older brother incident in a church right after I was saved did I tell the story all right thank you save me of the embarrassment of being old um, I was a fairly new Christian and I was in a little Pentecostal church in our hometown a little gospel tabernacle type church and they had altar calls and occasionally they bring in an evangelist in and then you're supposed to bring in saved friends and they preach the gospel and have altar calls so I was at one of these events and I was a new Christian and a lot of times us new christians would keep going to the altar now because we felt like we were unsaved but we just wanted to be there praying and being a part of what's going on and so i went up to the altar and so the evangelist was up there and in, in, in continuing to preach because he said i know there's somebody else here that needs to come to god and it's not right with god i know it who's here who's who needs to come to god well here over here they had an organ not probably just like this one or similar here's the young lady grew up in that church playing the organ Mm, you know the soft music so you can repent easier (laughs) and uh and and pretty soon she starts crying and quits playing it was her it was her she just realized that she was a lost sinner she grew up in that church and was just self-righteous and she went down she left the organ and went down to the altar and got on her knees and, and cried out to God for mercy and I was right there by her. And I saw something that shocked me, even as a new Christian. There was an older lady in the church that had been there since the 30s. And when she saw that girl that had grown up in that church at the altar, she went over to her and started browbeating her for everything she'd done in the past. She went over to this person who was repenting and saying, Well, it's not this easy. Now, for one thing, I don't want to see those kind of clothes on you again. And i don't want you listening to that kind of music that we know you're listening to and we and you better straighten yourself if out but if you think you're going to come to god and i was sitting there a young 21 year old 20, you know shocked that lady was the older brother she didn't like the idea that god would give mercy to this girl who didn't deserve it that didn't live according to her standards dear ones made the lord preserve us from ever being like that may god take that self-righteousness out of our hearts and realize that i don't care if i've been a christian for 40 years i'm just hanging on by god's mercy because he has me in his hands not because i'm such a good christian and when god is saving somebody that's not a time to browbeat them well anyhow that's my story and i saw it with my own two eyes and heard it with my own two ears the older brother doesn't like the fact that this son is receiving mercy. He has the right of use of everything the family owns. Verse thirty-one. This is the last verse, I think. Yes, it was. yes, it is. But we had to celebrate. That's an interesting word there. I'm going to talk about it. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead, and has been, has begun to live, and was lost. And has been found. God rejoices at the finding of the lost. And the story ends. And it was laid out in stanzas as far as literary structure. And it has one of the V parallelisms like I had in the last one. The last one's missing. There's a missing piece. It's just missing. And it's missing for dramatic effect. Because the older son is the Pharisees that Jesus is preaching to. And it stops... And we don't know if the older son repents after his father pleaded with him. And we don't know if the Pharisees do either for a while. But we know they did not because when Jesus was being shamed and publicly mocked, they joined the crowd. Crucify him, crucify him. They did not repent. They stayed in their pride had there is day D E I day in the Greek and it's used in Luke acts often for divine necessity a divine necessity we had to celebrate why because that was necessary that's what he said it was necessary Be- why because God celebrates when one sinner repents that's why it's necessary there's more joy in heaven over one who repents than 99 righteous who need no repentance as I told you who do not actually exist it's just irony we had to heaven rejoices we see little glimpses of heaven in revelation, and revelation what are they doing they're rejoicing about the lamb who had been slain and bought people from every tribe and brought them to himself it was a celebration and honor of the father on the occasion of the joy of reconciliation necessary we is not in the Greek But it says to celebrate and to rejoice was necessary. So since he says brother of yours, it implies the older son should rejoice. And we know that he actually will not because we read the rest of the gospel and the Pharisees, other than a couple of exceptions in the book of John, do not repent. They're scandalized by the cross. There's no ending. We don't know what happens but we can guess all three of them end with rejoicing at the finding of the loss all three of the parables rejoicing in each case was shared by the village the joyous feast here is justification of Jesus welcoming sinners to a meal as all this I've said the older son represents the Pharisees I think it's scandalous that Jesus eats with sinners The father is God in Christ reconciling sinners to himself and the pharisees refuse to join in heaven's joy they prefer to feast with their friends the implication is they and their friends are lost they're on the wrong side of the mishta they're lost they're headed for hell the older son was an inward rebel younger outward father went to find both of them but only one of them knew they were lost it's the grace of God to find out you're lost. And the earlier in life you find it out, the better off you are. You ask anybody who was converted to Christianity as an adult, and they'll say their one regret was that they spent so many years serving Satan. And it doesn't do us any good. If you're a young person and you're in this church today, see the fact that you're lost. You can't be good enough. You can't do enough. You're, you're never going to be good enough to be in God's family. You're lost except being found by god put your faith in jesus christ and turn to him spare the pain of shaming yourself and god and everyone else as you grow up the younger son said i'm unworthy i'm unworthy that's what we need to know that's the gospel right here right now that's the gospel jesus christ came into this world from glory says in philippians He he laid aside the joy that was already happening in heaven, whatever it was, to make greater joy by coming and dying for sins. So heaven can rejoice, not just with holy angels, but with saved sinners. He came into this world, and he lived, fully human, fully God, a sinless life, so the shame was even greater when he died for sins because he's a sinless one. And... He shed his blood to pay the price for our sins and was raised bodily on the third day and bodily ascended into heaven. Is anybody worthy that the blood of Jesus would wash away your sins? No. Do you know that? Today, do you know that you are horribly unworthy? Do you know that you're lost? Do you know that you've shamed God by breaking his law? And that God has come running in the person of Christ to reconcile you to himself, to bring joy to heaven. You're not adding joy to heaven by anything you do. God is adding joy to heaven by what he does. Brings a sinner to repentance today. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Whether you're prodigal or whether you are a Pharisee.
0: Let's have a discussion. I'm glad I had the gospel in the main body of it. So it ended with a gospel call, yes.
1: The cultural considerations that you were listing throughout the sermon, the the shame uh, honor system, when the son left and the father gave him the third of his inheritance the people in the village were like wow that's crazy you know why would you do that now the son comes back the father takes the fatted calf but the village people come in and partake in the celebration so I'm wondering weren't they and and I don't think I'm just wondering if you have any insight into this why wouldn't the village people look at the Father and say wow this this is crazy Why, why would you do such a thing and the only thing that I could think of is God gives universal grace you know rains on everybody So was it just that those people—was everybody that was inside the celebration, like the analogy to the Pharisees who stayed out, you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, that's—I would call that local color. Okay. It's
0: the way the story goes.
1: Yeah, free free beef, that's what I'm We're not
0: trying to psychoanalyze— people that do show. Yeah, there's, there we go.
3: Oh, I'll I'll just comment, uh, add to what you said, and then I want to point out one thing. Um, Yeah, dealing with parables here, you have to keep in mind, like if this was a historical account of a historical village with people in space, time, you could ask questions like that. Uh, But you know he 's just telling his parable to make his point, and you see that heaven rejoices and so here the father uh, the Father uh, basically representing God in Christ, as you said, and then here these people uh, their response is really one that believers should have, uh, the same one that heaven has, so Good like the, the angels and I just wanted to add to your your me- listed a number of things about the uh, older older brother that shamed his father. And when you read at the start of the parable, it says, uh, and he said, uh, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, uh, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. So he actually divided his property uh, to the younger son who asked for it and to the older brother uh, who didn't ask for it there, and then the older, older brother later says, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. Well, he gave him his share of the inheritance and his property that he distributed both to the, the younger son and the older brother. And now he's saying, You haven't given me a goat? give him a lot more than that. So it it shows the generosity uh, of the Father here uh, from the very get-go all the way to the end. Amen.
0: God is merciful to sinners.
4: I have a kind of a comment and a question both, I guess, on application. You know, we who are, you know, we should be rejoicing at the at the redemption of any lost sinner, and the church, the church as a whole, like you mentioned in, in your talk, um, you know, just how you treat a repentant sinner, uh, and not, none of us are perfect, none of us become totally sinless, and yet, I, I guess I've read some things about this parable that that indicate that there 's a lot of blame within the church for not for not not our church necessarily i 'm talking about as a whole uh, of uh, well like you mentioned in the the, the the lady that just read the Riot act to that young girl who came to faith in Christ who realized she was a lost sinner, you know on the one extreme you 've got certain denominations that will that will actually ordain unrepentant sinners. In other words, the key is repentance. But then once someone repents, we need to accept them and love them just as God does. And this is where the church, we Christians, we we fall short, I think, a lot of times. There's a balance that we need to to try to work for.
0: That church was an old-time holiness church, and they were very steeped in legalism. And one of the things I've been seeing, and I'm going to talk about that this week and next in my sermon, pray for me that I have a voice to do it. Um, human lawgivers are merciless. Actually, God is the lawgiver. and shows mercy. But when man adds to God's law, they never heard of mercy. They beat you. And that's what the Pharisees were, human lawgivers. Okay, people in churches that are legalistic are under leadership where the leaders write laws that can't be proven from scripture. They add to the scripture their own laws. I grew up in a town that was filled with churches like that. And man, did they pound people And reject people. And ostracize people. Though this whole parable would have been great. For that whole town. And. We're sinners. Vis-a-vis God's law. As it's given. And God forgives repentant sinners. Hallelujah. But man doesn't do that. And so that lady I'm glad that story came to my mind back in 2009 because I I was glad to hear it again. It's not easy for the organ player to repent, you know, because you're kind of invisible over there. And when she did, it was so precious. And to see that, it just shocked me. And I was definitely a sinner in that town. But I didn't grow up in that church. So they had no trouble receiving me. But let us raise our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. But they're in God's hands. And it's not their job to please man, but to be forgiven by God. Hallelujah. I, I, I thank God that I was able to do that. I've got weaknesses, my voice, my coughing. I'm older now. All I can say is, thank you, Lord. I need to hear that as much as anybody else. And I'm glad we had the technology to save it. Okay, so um, go go ahead. Eric was next, and then Nancy. Uh,
4: So I was just thinking about, you know, I've I've kind of been in my mind struggling with the difference between rebuke, exhort, reprove, and on the other hand, show grace because... Sometimes I feel that it's actually, you know an act of love to to say to someone you well, you know Here's something that I see you know that um, I don't know there's a lot of different situations, but you know the Bible tells us sometimes we're not doing something that the Bible says we should be Oh God uh, yeah um,
0: within it, the church Parakaleo is true. We can encourage or resort one another and to love and godliness. But what we don't do is pound on some poor person who's trying to come to Christ. And whatever our exhortation, it always has to be within the parameters of what God has revealed. Nancy.
4: Uh, Thanks. See, I just had a comment. Even in the Christian church, there's been times that I've been ostracized As an example, going down to Wabasha with Gene to his home Catholic church and just the thought of not being able to take communion because I'm not Catholic.
0: Well, parochialism isn't God's idea, but you're probably, well, I won't say anything, but the Catholic communion is uh, not what we believe. Go ahead.
3: Parochial or paganism.
0: Yeah, we're right because we're us. Um, well I love the gospel (coughs) and how great it is can't we all say amen it was only God's grace that I realized I was lost amen yes one more Uh, yes Uh, there is a teaching which you have shared with us that there are some things uh, that are revealed to us and some things that are not and um I think when the uh, community was celebrating with the prodigal son, and uh, and as Adam has said, it's like we believe is responding as well, that uh, we should then respond, God, I really don't know this, the details of this, but thank God for your generosity towards this person. And uh, that's, I think, perhaps rhymes with the parable. Yeah, we've got to accept who God accepts by his terms. I thank God... For you, dear saints, you've been so kind and loving to me. Um, and I've never felt like the fact that I've got weaknesses means you don't want anything to do with me. Thank you. God is showing grace to me through you. That means the whole world. Is, uh, that's uh, I want to grow old with the family of God. Not that I haven't already. <laughs> so let's... Um, Let's close in prayer. Thank you, dear Lord, that you've shown mercy to us, the the most horrible sinners who deserve nothing. And Lord, may our hearts be softened and be filled with your love so that we might love you with all our hearts
4: and love one another. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' holy name. Amen.